Hope is not always comforting or comfortable. Hope asks us to open ourselves to what we do not know, to pray for illumination in this life, to imagine what is beyond our imagining, to bear what seems unbearable. Hope calls us to keep breathing even when beloved lives have left us, to turn toward one another when we might prefer to turn away. Hope draws our eyes and our hearts toward a more whole future, but also propels us into the present moment. And so this day, I pray you know the hope that is not just for someday, but for this day, here and now, in this moment. Hope not made of wishes, but of substance. Hope that has breath and a beating heart. Hope that will not keep quiet and be polite. Hope that knows how to shout when it is called for. Hope that knows how to sing when there seems little cause for singing. Hope that raises you from the dead. Not someday, but this day, every day, again and again and again. Hope. Amen. Good morning, Stone Village, and happy Sunday. I hope that all of you are well and safe in this world. All is well in my world. The Lord be with you, and let us pray. Prepare us, O God, to hear your word through the scripture of this day. Confront us with your claim upon our lives. Clarify the choices we must make if our lives are to have meaning and purpose. Help us to respond to the one who came as the breath of life, so we may know life at its fullest and at its very best. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The reading today is from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked in fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As God has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, Jesus' disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. 
Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> One week ago, God rolled away the stone, revealing an empty tomb. Christ is risen. Death has been defeated. You get new life. I get new life. New life for everyone. Hallelujah. However, resurrected life, it seems, does not come easily for everyone, as evidenced by the disciples hiding behind locked doors on that first day of Easter. Today, a week after the resurrection, the disciples are again hiding in the same room behind the same locked doors. So it seems nothing has changed for them. They have traded a tomb for a house and a stone for locked doors. It's not just the disciples, however. I suspect each one of us knows about living behind locked doors. Sometimes it seems to me God opens the tomb and we follow behind locking the doors. God opens the tomb and declares forgiveness. And we continue to live behind the locked doors of guilt and shame. God opens the tomb and defeats death. But we, we still live as if death has the final word. God opens the tomb and offers new life, more life. But we lock the doors and live in the past. God opens the tomb and declares we are beloved. And we, we intentionally lock ourselves out of God's love. The locked doors of our lives are not so much about what is going on around us, but what is happening within us. Fear, anger, guilt, hurt, grief, a refusal to change and know life differently. And there are a thousand different locks on the doors of our lives. And those locks are always locked from the inside. This is, I believe, what Thomas was struggling with when he said, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails, in my hand in his side, I will not believe which subsequently earned him the moniker Doubting Thomas. Jesus, however, never accuses Thomas of doubting. This is how we have translated and interpreted the Greek. Rather, Jesus said to him, Do not be unbelieving, but believing. He could have just as easily said this to the other disciples. After all, one week after seeing Jesus' hands and his side, 
They are still in the house behind the same locked doors. In every time we lock the doors of our house, we deny God's promise of more life, of new life. And we also deny the risen Christ. Thomas' unbelief is not in his question. He didn't ask to see more than the other disciples saw a week earlier. His unbelief and theirs is, is in being stuck in the house with locked doors. Belief in Jesus' resurrection is not a question of intellectual assent or agreement, nor is it about evidence or proof. No, belief is more about how we live than what we think. When one is ordained in the Methodist Church, as I was, you kneel before the bishop, and the bishop lays hands upon you, calling upon the Holy Spirit to empower and guide you in your life of ministry. I can tell you my ordination was an extraordinary moment in my life. The fruition of years defined by self-sacrifice and study and hope and a lot of sheer determination, so much determination. However, full disclosure, when my ordination was complete, beyond the sweat running down my back, in a deep sense of gratitude coupled with relief, I felt nothing. No change. Nada. No difference in my body, in my spirit, nothing. I wasn't more enlightened or more faithful. I couldn't turn water into wine. I couldn't even walk on water. I was the same person on the other side of my ordination. And there was a moment, months actually, when I wondered, is my ordination broken? Maybe. It wasn't broken. However, it took time. It took time for me to understand my ordination was a beginning. A moment marking a new chapter in my life. As time passed and I wore the moniker ordained, I gradually embodied my priesthood and I began to live my life differently. My ordination became the lens by which I made choices, engaged in relationships understood my identity in the context of the church and the world. It wasn't a one-and-done moment. It was a beginning. In every day, I make a choice to live into it, to permit it to define and anchor my life. I imagine it's a bit like becoming a parent or a spouse. Yes, you're a parent. Yes, you are a spouse. 
And yet you live into those identities through your choices, through your presence, through your actions. And over time, you are changed, redefined, strengthened. And your life is anchored to something beyond yourself. Resurrection is no different. In that, it is not just an event or an idea. It is a way of being and living. It is a beginning. It is the lens through which we see the world, each other, and ourselves. Resurrection is the gift of God's life and love. In every day, you must choose to accept the life and the love offered to you. Understand resurrection, living resurrection, can be difficult. It is a process, something we grow into over time. It is neither quick nor magical. It does not undo our past, fix our problems, or necessarily change the circumstances of our lives today. However, I believe, and I know from personal experience, it does have the capability to change us, offering us a way through life's circumstances, strengthening us to endure, enlivening us with hope, and creating for us a future we could not imagine for ourselves. You see, resurrected people know that faith and life are messy. Resurrected people know what God believes about them is more important than what they believe about themselves. Resurrected people are willing to get out of the house. They unlock the doors, even when they do not know what is on the other side. Resurrected people believe even if they don't understand. And resurrected people may never see or touch Jesus, but they live trusting they have been seen and touched by Jesus. And so I wonder, one week after Easter, where are you living? In the promise and hope of resurrected life or behind locked doors? Perhaps you are uncertain. And so I offer you this. Consider what you believe. Look at your life and how you live. Your beliefs guide your life, and your life reveals your beliefs. Thanks be to God. Amen. I give thanks to God for each of you, and I pray this day you bear witness to the love of God in this world, bear witness to the love of God, so those to whom love is a stranger, they will find in you a generous and loving friend. In the name of Christ Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, amen. I love you, stoners. I hope you have a good day, and uh, I'll see you soon. Bye.